So far away, Lucas and lovely audience at home, it's time for another episode of Wiki Weekdays, the series in which myself, Cal Smallwood, and my ever-illustrious co-host, Lucas Holland. Say hello, Lucas. Hello, Lucas. Scour the lengths and breadths of the internet to find wikis on topics we personally find interesting to bring them to the table, discuss in this podcast, which is about discussing Wikipedia and wiki articles, and then let our audience at home decide which wiki won this week. And I have stuck with a theme that I... Don't know why I've developed, but talking about bad TV. Because once again, I've been watching a bad reality TV show in the background while working. And thought, <laughs> I wonder if the wiki article on it is also interesting. And it is. But it's not my turn first. It's your turn first this week, isn't it, Lucas? It is, yeah. So what have you brought for us? So I, um, again, the realm of reality TV for myself. Well, I've brought, apparently, a cough on coming. So give me one second while I mute. Oh, sounds like a bit of the round of that, mate. It's one of those things of like, you know, we were setting up and preambling for like 10 minutes and it's the first time I've like really spoken today because I've just been walking around the house like getting a coffee and stuff like by myself. And the minute we start podcasting, my throat's like, now you need to cough though. Of course, yeah. It's like um, uh, like when you're at a wedding or something and you suddenly just need to piss. (laughs) Or you need to, like, do you know that thing? Or as soon as you sit down on a plane and the seatbelt light goes on, you're like, I need to stand up my legs. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I am bringing an article today as like maybe like a bit of a jumping off point for a large discussion, which is the kind of the point, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, it's if anyone comes to this podcast and like you know the weekend series, it's like you're not actually discussing the wiki all that much. Like you can just go read the wiki. <laughs> the point is that we're bringing the wiki as a jumping off point for a discussion, as is the case of almost every podcast, right? It is, yeah. And you know, I would hope that people understand that of like the entire purpose of us doing wiki weekends is not to read a wikipedia article because anyone can do that it's to discuss things further but yeah um i thought i i don't know if you are aware of this game but i thought i would talk about a game called suica or suica game okay i'm not familiar um so suica the game is also known as watermelon game and currently it's been like a, a a trending game um that I didn't realize was over on the Switch. And it's okay, like. I, looks adorable. It's adorable, and it's just a super simple game. Um, the premise is essentially that you've got little fruit, and you drop fruit into your little, like, container, whatever it is, you know, Tetris mm-hmm. style drop down game. Yeah. When two of the same fruit touch, they combine to make, like, the next fruit up. And then when they touch, combine. And the so game is to just to, uh, make watermelons. Is it, is it 2048? That was the Ooh, game, like, the sliding sure. game, where it's the game where it's like you start with like one and one and you slide to make two. And oh, then you like slide maybe, two yeah. into one. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar concept, but like that and then maybe a bit of Tetris put in there, but also the and physics of the fruit being round, bouncing around. Yeah, they bounce around and roll into one another. Like they're constantly like, they constantly have the ability to keep rolling. It's not like turn based or anything. Do you know what this sounds like? This sounds like a game people get obsessed with. Well, I tell you what, Carl. I was just—I saw there was a Black Friday, uh, Black Friday, because it's like a week before Black Friday. Black Friday sale on the eShop, and then I Did clicked on it? the eShop, and it was like, "Oh, the watermelon games on here for like two quid." I was like, "Oh, I thought this was like one of those Steam indies that like a bunch of people go and." No, it's, stream. A, it's a real video game. That, by you know. No, no, because like normally when some like random indie game pops off on Twitch one random weekend. It's normally a game off Steam. 
And I was Probably, like, yeah. oh, it's a shame that a game would be fun on the Switch. And it is mm-hmm. on the Switch. It's on the eShop. Like, yeah, I'm not dragging my PC into my front room. I don't exactly, care what any yeah. of those weirdos on Reddit say. It's not, it's not <laughs> as simple as that. I want a rectangle that plays video games. I mm-hmm. don't want a rectangle that also contains my entire life's work on there as well that can randomly get kicked over by the cat. And, yeah, I just finished work last night and just um, went on you know downloaded this game and was like oh no this is this is a trap is that it is, is it one of those ones where you got hands on it instantly and went oh no yeah it was like not oh no is in this is a bad game oh no this could be addicting like oh well it, it looks like it has all the makings of one of those vibes do you know what it looks like it looks like one of those mobile ads you'd get on youtube mm. that you never fall for because you know this is like you know just a predatory scam to get you to buy in-game currency or whatever well, as I said, this is a real whole ass game that just has a fun, addicting format, right? Yeah, it's literally to a like Tetris, a, a, a Tetris game or a, that's a mean super mean cheap, um, and it's just there's there's you know there's no microtransactions. There's not even a settings to turn down the volume currently. It's like just keep no you you must the, you must be watermelon <laughs> at all times. There is the most basic basic game in there. That's the idea, though, isn't it? It's the, it's the simplest ideas that generally take off because they're mm-hmm. the easiest to explain. So yeah. If you're like similar to a Tetris or Puyo Puyo, one of those types of things, like you give someone thirty seconds to have hands on this game, they understand the mechanics. They don't mm-hmm. need to be explained; they understand. It's just guess what? Drop fruit. It's like, oh, yeah. well, this feels satisfying. What happens when the fruit touch? Boop, boop, and they turn into a big fruit. It's like, oh, well, that felt good. There's the dopamine hit. I'm also uh, looking as well at the design. Oh. I'm getting like Tycho Drum Master vibes. Mm. Do you have a little face on Tycho Drum Master? <laughs> yeah. Again, another really addicting game. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny to me. And kind of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, like, you know, the, again, super simple game for a couple of quid on eShop, and it's been like popping off online. Also, this is not an ad, by the way. People no, it's say, not. It's not. When you talk about so, it's like, is it? Is it is like no, Lucas. Just oddly enough, as human beings, we consume products and media. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, this week I'm bringing a reality TV show from 20 years ago. So, <laughs> And it's one of those things that I find this really interesting because a game like this, just every now and then, does the rounds and it'll be the biggest game of the, the like internet for like a month. Yeah, yeah. we had Flappy Bird. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, like, you know, let's go back a couple of years, we had Flappy Bird. Then there was like, you know, during the pandemic, there was Among Us, there was Four Guys. Yeah, and like it's obviously again, this happens Animal Crossing happened, but that was the rare occasion where like it was one of these big, you know, it was a good game already, pound then... game that popped off. But usually, it's those like cheap or free games because they're the like... ones that you can recommend. Yeah, you can dip your toes into the world of Mortemelon game for, as I said, a couple of pounds. Yeah, or you can tell your friend like download Fall Guys; it's free right now on PlayStation mm-hmm. Plus, and that's where that popped off. For example, and um, Flappy Bird was. Um... Uh, known sayer of the n-word pewdiepie is the oh yes of course cause yeah. of that. five nights at freddy speaking of youtubers and i presume was, uh, marketplayer that that's where this game started popping off as well is just some big TikTok. twitch streamer or something um, TikTok. or yeah tiktoker or youtuber something like that just went like guess what there's this like real simple satisfying cheap game and then a bunch of other people went well that's real cheap and easy for me to stream as well yeah. Oh, and then more and people say, "Oh, this up. is the hot thing. Let's get on the bandwagon." Mm-hmm. And like, only up happened what like six months ago as well. That like game where people jump, and then there was immediate like Fortnite mods, and I've seen like 
games on the Switch eShop, like trying to emulate that for like oh, the... yeah Fortnite was another one of those games where mm-hmm. I just took off because it had like the weird cartoony art style well like, no that was, was that was because it copied PUBG yeah I, is PUBG one of the saddest most recent gaming stories of they basically invented the battle royale format for yeah because they I think they tried a couple of times right the same player unknown had made like multiple mods for like armor and shit to make like yeah all these different battle royale type games and then they finally popped off with PUBG and, and then like every, Epic yeah, every Games time I immediately see took their money just you know six months later with a Fortnite change. It's like every time I see a screenshot from PUBG I'm like this looks like a game from 15 years ago. <laughs> but that's the thing it initially started as like just player unknowns battlegrounds literally mm-hmm. player unknown. And obviously that turned into like a massive game at one point. And they have like it, it, whole studios thing, and yeah. stuff working on it. But like if it wasn't for Fortnite, you'd have had um uh, that would have been the next big thing. And it's as much as we like rail on Fortnite, I'm really glad that the thing that took off was fun, campy cartoon art style. Mm-hmm. Not military shooter that's drab and grey and just boring because we had ten years of that. That's the thing, is that's probably why Fortnite ended up even though it was copying the same thing, it probably resonated with a lot more people because it's a lot more approachable. Um, the gameplay is a lot more simple in terms of like the. When I played PUBG, it's like it's really unforgiving in terms of like the aim on the guns and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's not necessarily a worse game, but it's for a more niche gamer. It's just as well. It's just not as good looking. Exactly, yeah. Um, but it, the, I mean, Fortnite is obviously one of those few ones where, again, like a, a bigger developer managed to get a game that like really resonated. But generally speaking, a lot of these games that go into like this, I say, like kind of game of the month on the internet kind of thing. It's really funny because it's just small developer out of nowhere like among us a few people just working on this game and they were working like on four a, people among us wasn't it? Yeah. i think it was three or four people in a sloth and they were like working on the sequel and had given up on among us mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit okay we're canceling the sequel don't worry about that we're just going to update this game because everyone's on it mm-hmm. and it's so funny to see like ubisoft come out with like game that was popular five years ago but they've been chasing the trend and you can yeah. tell that they saw a game pop off like four five six years ago started development then and by the time it's come out it's like the fuck are you doing this hasn't been popular for years yeah i'm gonna say though um uh, did, did you do you remember radical heights yeah exactly perfect do you, I, kind of... I was looking at what was that really sad attempt at ripping off fortnite and it was Radical Heights made by Boss Key Games, the makers of Lawbreakers. Because that's the thing is, like, Lawbreakers is a really um, sad story for a video game where, you know, Cliff Blazinski took his Boss Key uh, Studios, I believe it was, to, um, like, go and make this cool idea for, like, an old older school yeah. arena shooter with, like, low-grab areas. The gameplay was apparently really good. It just, it never, it never hit that audience it never got you know its moment to shine and then in like that desperate claw at keeping its studio alive pivoted into like radical heights for the last few months of like while they had a 
studio still and was like, let's just try and like pop off like Fortnite and PUBG and and Radical Heights was barely like it was barely a video game. It was so sad because Radical Heights is the one where they were like, oh, it's all eighties inspired because Stranger Things have come out. And it's like, okay, I can see that radical. Like, okay, like, like that synth 80s. wave and all that. Yeah. yeah. And the game had no music because they couldn't license any music and they couldn't even put in like a shitty um, stock synth wave soundtrack well, to the background. Yeah, that's the thing is all scrambled together so quickly in a desperate attempt to like keep the studio alive mm-hmm. that like it was this game with like no textures or any like barely just any no textures. Per- no personality, no song. Exactly. It was clearly just, as I say, it wasn't like a necessarily a cash grab it it was but it was was, like it was desperate it was this desperate last plug uh, like please like try and do something to keep these people employed which i get i respect the fact that like you want to keep this alive but it was just it it wasn't the way to go no i am uh as you said like this watermelon games took off i'm waiting with bated breath for all the rip-offs of watermelon game Mm mm-hmm and um, so it's not new, like you said. There was the twenty forty eight game, which is the sliding game, mm-hmm. which was lots of variations of. Yeah, so it was released in um, on the Nintendo eShop December twenty first only in De- December twenty twenty one. Sorry, only in Japan. But then October twenty twenty three, the game was given a global release. Um, and apparently, the concept originates from a Chinese browser game titled Synthetic Big Watermelon that released in January <laughs> okay, twenty twenty one. I so this game synth- is a rip-off of synthetic hey, big watermelon that there we released are no original in ideas today, but do, do you like Untitled Goose Game, where they're like, fuck it, that's the name now? Mm-hmm. I want to play synthetic <laughs> big watermelon. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's so um, good. It's a, two years after the game's release, Sweeker Game exploded in popularity after being streamed by live streamers, particularly by VTubers. Uh, the game was received well by critics. I've got a big question for you. Oh yeah, go ahead. Is like the moment VTubers took off the exact moment you were like, I'm done? Uh, Is it like, Joe, like trying to keep up with pop culture of like, I think I I, I got TikTok. I understood what TikTok was because (laughs) you had Vine. I understood Twitch because, you know, I was kind of there on the ground floor of like, I saw it rise. As soon as VTubers became a thing, I went, okay, I'm done. I don't need to follow pop culture anymore because this is beyond me. I, mean, I knew what Has- I knew Hasina Miku, which, because that's like a Vocaloid, like making songs and stuff. I understand that, but when the VTuber thing came in, I was like, I don't get this. This is not for me. See, it's not for me, but I definitely respect anyone that's like, look, I want to be an anime waifu while I stream. I highly respect that. Or, you know, whatever other. Um, I know there's a lot of different like categories of VTubers and stuff of like people being animals and stuff. I'm not here to to yuck anyone's yum, and. Mm. I, I'm, you know, anime waifu is just the generic one that you seem like off, on the surface of it. Yeah, that's it. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying it's the exact moment where I realized, Joe, and you get that point where you realize pop culture is no longer aimed at you. You're no longer the primary focus for pop culture. And I always thought our generation managed to hang on a bit longer than our parents did because <laughs> we didn't go straight into like, you know, soul crushing jobs where we just stopped having hobbies. But I just felt like the moment VTubers came out and I went, and NPC streamers and stuff on TikTok, I went, someone enjoys this and it's you not me. You know what? Maybe NPC streamers Maybe is the that, moment okay. they lost me. Yeah. Maybe that, because just the moment I saw the NPC streams and I was like, oh, what? 
has happened? Like, what went wrong here to make people NPC stream and then make people donate to that? And again, it's just it's something it's the, out said, of my realm of understanding. That's it. It's when I realised that, you know, pop culture has finally taken me over. I got my to 32 before, like, just, <laughs> just there was something in pop culture that I, one, didn't understand, and two, the important part, did not want to try and understand. Like TikTok, when it first came out, I tried to understand. We have a TikTok for, like, fact feed and stuff. I understand mm-hmm. it. I don't partake in it because it's just not of interest to me, but I, I get it. That's the thing is, like, you know, I'm on TikTok. I don't want to watch um, VTubers, but I get VTubers and I understand VTubers and, like, I understand the appeal of it to other people. The the NPCs is where life got me. I think the thing with VTubers, though, is they look so shit. Some of them look all right, but yeah. That's the thing, but I think all the times I see, and then I think it's the attachment people have to them, Mm -hmm. where they talk about them as if they're real people. And when it's like, oh, you know, the, the ones that are creepy to me are like, People are obsessed with like this VTuber that's like this, as I say, like maybe like an anime waifu VTuber that's like this really quite young looking girl. And it's actually Jail like a, a guy that's in his 40s or something. And it. it's like this coat, this, this weird shit. And again, I think as well, there's like a good number of them that are like weirdly racist. I mean, isn't, seen, that, isn't that just yeah. streamers and YouTubers and shit? Like, yeah. So have you seen that like Black Mirror episode about like the puppet? And it's like, they say, I think it's like one of the really early ones. And it's like, there's a guy who has a puppet and he talks into a screen as a puppet. Oh, like, is this the one that like runs for political office and shit? Runs for political office and ends up getting in charge, yeah. And it's like, you can say whatever heinous shit you want as a puppet because people are like, oh, isn't that funny? A puppet's saying like, you know, like racial slurs. And then it and now we've got that like with this VTubers, extremist yeah. guy in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's like VTubers who are just online calling for like um uh, I guess like the the Palestine conflict going on right now. Like there's a lot of VTubers like talking about that, and because people like them, they're ascribing authority to them which um, they have not earned or des- or I would argue do not deserve. And it's just I like, did see it the, creeps there me was out. Like there was like the opposite of that on um TikTok of this woman who's like talking about like political change that needs to happen but then we'll just be like ooh woo at the end of it and just yeah. adds like that oh you know i'm gonna say this in a really cutesy voice and put ooh woo at the end but it's actually like climate change needs to be sorted and we need to hold people responsible in uh, like political offices ooh woo, and one- it's like yeah that's the way to do it the one that gets me is when you have like people like oh my i think it was the cgi and the flash being bad Mm. There was that TikTok that went viral of like a guy who was like, "Well, I work in the industry, and I'm going to tell you why it's bad on pur- like it's bad on purpose." <sighs> and I remember the guy, and he's got a shitty CGI green screen behind him that's not cropped out properly because he's just let the the app do it. And then he's talking into like his phone microphone like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Why the fuck should I listen to you?" <laughs> but like that went super viral. And I was like, "Listen to what this guy's saying." It's like, why? <laughs> I think what? that might be one of the weirdest like presentation styles for me in terms of like a lot of younger people with like the iphone mic that is like suspiciously close to their mouth so that every talking time into an, uh, yeah talking into an airpod yeah every time that they're like you know they make anything but really like soft smooth vocals like the mic just pops the fuck out i think the one for me is people burst. recording that recording their face like this in a store and oh. then just staring at a a caption that someone else wrote, and then again, I don't, 
that's around the time that just pop culture yeah. got away from me. But you know what? I understand now the appeal of watermelon game. Yeah. Synthetic watermelon game. I look at that and I go, I can see why people get addicted to that because it's just yeah. a, it's a iteration on a format that has been popular for many years. And um, yeah, as I was saying earlier, it was praised by people who play it just with the simplicity and charm of the game. And just a watermelon. The game achieved over 3 million downloads by October 2023 and became one of the most downloaded games on the eShop the previous month. And when I did go, because this is how I discovered it, I just went to like the charts just on the, the Nintendo 10. eShop and it was number one. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear. It's like the Among Us story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of just, okay, it's a couple of people who worked on a game, got really popular out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, good for them. Like, the Flappy Bird one's kind of weird because the guy ended up like going a bit crazy. It's like uh, Don Win. Yeah, because... they like they shut it down very quickly because they got overwhelmed by the amount of people like screaming at them online for updates and shit. Yeah, it's like update this game, update this, and then people say, "Oh, you just ripped off the Mario pipes," and it's like, uh, okay, like okay, I'm, but I'm, I'm using sorry. I'm using like, like a... the Mario pipe in a different way than Mario ever did. Yeah. So what's the also, problem? It's, it was just like you know a student project he worked on, and then mm-hmm. he was getting death threats. Yeah, it's because, like this know, is meant to just be like a really simple little mobile game as you say for like a student project or whatever and they just happen to put it up and be like oh maybe this will get a few quid on the side and then all of a sudden like millions of people were screaming at the guy online it's like you know what this is not worth the stress i'm out like i respect that i respect yeah. that he just pieced out he took his money and pieced out it reminds me a little bit of uh, just sold off the ip for like some weird arcade game and left and it's like yep. fair fucking play get you get your, get your money, money and run get that bag son it reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of uh, joe the whole wall street bets thing like GameStop and stuff, one of the guys who was pivotable in that was a guy called Deep Fucking Value. Mm. And what he basically did is, is he saw the writing on the wall of, this is becoming like a weird pseudo money cult. death cult. Yeah. And he just took his money. He, I think he made like a couple of million, just deleted all his accounts and fucked off. Yeah. And just bought a house and he lives in a house like out in the country with his wife and kids and just refuses to go online anymore. And it's like, fair play. Because I... I really hate that GameStop stuff because it convinced people to like put them small amount of life savings on the line oh, yeah, and then like hold the line for weirdo millionaires that got in early and to just inflate their stock. And it's like, I don't feel sorry for all of these like people who were pushing on others for like losing their money, but it's the, the like, you know, random person that you convince to use their last thousand dollars to to spend on there and lose it all. It's like, yeah. those are the people I feel sorry for that get baited in. But like, so anyone that just went in, got their money and pieced out, cool. Yeah, yeah. fine. It's like, and here's, a pro tip. Yeah, here's a pro tip for anyone out there. If you see something on the news, if it's on the news on CNN, um, it's too late to get Way in. too late. Yeah. Like, days on, too if, late. Yeah. If it's on CNN, it's already too late. You've already missed the opportunity to get on. It's like, maybe if you see it, like the rumblings of it on a forum or something... You might be okay if you see it pop off on Reddit, like, the first, like, you know, 12, 24 hours, you might be fine. But yeah, the moment it's, like, on international news, you are then, like, the bait to come in and try and inflate the money for everyone else. Like, Yeah, and you know, that's not the thing we talked about. I just thought it was, no, a, it was an example of someone who's like, you know what, peace out, I'm in my money. Yeah, I, I respect it. It's like my friend who I, like, they bought Bitcoin as a piss take like a decade ago, <laughs> and then you know, like joined like Bitcoin was like forty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. They just sold what Bitcoin they had and just bought like um, a down payment on a house, and it's like well played. Yeah, 
And you know what they didn't then do is like go convince a bunch of other people online that buying Bitcoin is the right thing to do. No, it's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stream um, Counter-Strike and then tell people to go to a website where you can gamble Counter-Strike skins that you actually <laughs> own a stake in. Yep. And you have a stake in this business. And then what you do is you, when you are gambling on that website without disclosing you own a stake in it, you have your odds for winning artificially inflated because you own the website to encourage people to drop their money into it. And then what you do is you don't get punished for doing that and continue to make content online. Or, you know, you just do the Elon Musk of, like, literally buy a bunch of stock in a company, a, yeah. a meme coin, tell people to go buy it and then sell it all. And it's like, yeah, because yeah, that isn't any, like, obviously there's no regulations, but, or there weren't at the time, but yeah, it's like, just stop manipulation 101, but because it's an unregulated market, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, but speaking of unregulated markets, tell me about these, like, watermelons. These watermelons, I mean, like, I was playing last night, I'd say, and... It's one of those things of the game well, uh, does a real good job of letting you God, get like, to like one watermelon. Oh, and you're like, oh, and you're like, close. I don't know what happens yet. I, maybe it'll tell me here, but like, I Have don't know what happens if two yet? watermelons. Well, yeah. like what happens when two watermelons merge? Because like, I wonder if I can find it here. Like the watermelons are huge in this Wouldn't container. If they, because it's a Japanese game, if they turn into square watermelons, they were easy to stack. <laughs> I mean, then it became Tetris with square watermelons. <laughs> you had to get, like, get the perfect line. Yeah, do you like um, um, you had Puyo Puyo Tetris, where you switch between Tetris and Puyo Puyo? Oh, I love Puyo Puyo Tetris. I fucking love Puyo Puyo, yeah, it's so good. What like, if it's like that, if it turns to, like, columns or something, but it was square watermelons? Apparently, if two watermelons merge, they disappear from the box. And then you start all over again. And that's where the high... Like, th- there's no um, time limit. There's no rush on when you can drop like, just, the next fruit. Just go. Just, it's go. just go and get the highest score possible. Do you want to wait? And if this game has done as well as it has, I can already in my head picture a but like time attack mode, yeah, double yeah. fruit mode. But the thing is, you, it doesn't need it. But it if is, you put it, it in, if you put it in, the game will be like even more popular. But this game is so simple, and that's like it's purity and simplicity. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where, um, similar to like Vampire Survivors, where mm-hmm. I want to get that and have it on my Switch and just have it be when I'm on a train. Yeah, yeah. So I'm exactly. on a train, I've got half an hour to kill, just pull out my Switch, just play some synthetic watermelon game for a little bit. <laughs> so at the moment, my game for that is still Monster oh. Hunter, because I still fucking love Monster It's like, okay, just go, just go hunt a couple monsters. Mm-hmm. And that's another really good um, example is uh, Vampire Survivors. Which is why I mentioned it, yes. That was yeah. a similar thing, yes. Just took off out of nowhere, just got massive. Just was a few quid on Steam and just real simple, real easy to understand. It's just, you know, you you can literally stand still and make progress in uh, Vampire Survivors. I think Monster Hunter might be another one where Monster Hunter's always been this very popular game, but it's always been quite niche. Well, that's and a then, like, different Monster kind Hunter of World thing, came out because and kind of that's... popularized it. That's what, like, a lot of people refer to as, like, you know, the the 10-year, 20-year, 30-year overnight success. Where, mm-hmm. like, same with Animal Crossing. There's this franchise that's existed good, yeah. for, like, 20 years. And it's has always, always had, like, a little bit of success and a bit of a niche to it. But then there's just that one moment where, you know, Monster Hunter World comes out and all of a sudden it, it it's the right time, the right place. It resonates with people and all of a sudden there's, like, this 30 million seller or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, just those ones are like that different category of like 
something like for me, I noticed it a little bit with Pikmin Four this year. Like I noticed a lot of people like played and talked about Pikmin Four a lot more than the other ones, and like yeah, I think it sold more than the other three having the series already and stuff. And it's like yes, same with um like a lot of it happened on the Switch, like Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like Zelda was always quite a big series, but like I think Breath of the Wild's like double the sales of any other game in the series. Yeah, it's one of those things where like it was always a popular game, but this is the game that it's been like, you know, a thing for like twenty years. But this is the game that introduced it to an entirely new audience. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, people who were like, you know, our age gonna remember Zelda, but younger people might not. Mm-hmm. Which is like a thing. Like, yeah, um, that's the struggle for a lot of things, isn't it? Of like, how do you maintain a new growing audience? It's like it's a, one thing with to, a thirty-year-old brand. Yeah, it's one thing to have those fans from twenty, thirty years ago still like your games, but how do you get that new, fresh audience keep coming in? Yeah, and the example I like to use for this because you might be thinking, "Oh, Zelda is never not going to be popular." I, I'm going to uh, there's a brand out there that I think might be one of the most you know, enduring brands of the last, you know, what, 70 years. McDonald's. Everyone knows McDonald's, right? I don't think you could go to a place on earth where you don't know why, they don't know what McDonald's is. Mm-hmm. Joe McDonald's, the company, for the past three to four years, has been floundering because they can't figure out how to get young people to eat Big Macs. Mm-hmm. And you, anyone who's like our age or like slightly younger or older will be like, I mean, like everyone knows what a Big Mac is. Everyone's had a Big Mac. It's like, no. Um, 18 to uh, 20-year-olds don't eat them. They eat nuggets. And McDonald's are floundering of how to convince young people to eat Big Macs. And this is McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's. You're looking at a person that's never had a Big Mac right here, but that's just oh, you because... Know, you're aware of them though, right? I'm, I'm very aware of them, but I've always been... I've always been the nug guy. Okay, but, and that's... If anyone curious, that's what... Um, younger people tend to eat the chicken nuggets, chicken sandwiches that are more popular now. Yeah, because generally speaking, like I think a lot of younger people tend to go for the healthier options, so therefore they pick like you know the chicken, chicken or the fish Blue over the meat red meat. meat. And just that thing of McDonald's as a company is investing millions trying to convince and trying to remind kids that Big Macs exist. And when you got that in yeah. mind, you can probably see why something like Legend of Zelda. It's like, well, how? Everyone knows who Legend of Zelda is, and that's when you realise that Mario just got it made. And just every couple of years, they release the same game, Pokemon. Same game, just for a new audience of. Um, and you're obviously being reductive when you say the same game, the same formula for the game. Yeah, okay, yeah. They release like what is essentially the same game for the same audience they always have, just that that audience is now like five years removed from the previous. Game and they topics. have that built-in lovely thing of they've kept the games simple enough to always be enjoyed by kids or like with Pokemon maybe not the games but like the adjacent properties like mm-hmm. the anime. Yep. There's always something or like the you know the plushes and stuff to get your kids like at an early age. And you've always got that thing of the fans of Mario having their kids grow up on those games and mm-hmm. on those like franchises and you know it's a bit harder with like a Legend of Zelda that's a little bit more mature. Um, and then, you know, especially when you get to, like, adult games, mm-hmm. it's like, you're not showing your kid Grand Theft Auto at the age of three, I'd hope. Um, there's probably some out there, but, you know, with Pokemon, it's like, well, I really like Pokemon, so I'm going to put the anime on for my kid, and they're going to grow up with, 
like the new set of starters, that's going to be their Charmander, their Bulbasaur Squirtle. I still love that like hard drive article of like fucking loser parent makes kid play games that were popular in his childhood. Oh, when it's like, well, I'm going to insist that my my uh, my um, child plays NES Super Mario Bros. and then they'll mm. work their way up, and they'll only be allowed to play the new Mario when they've earned it by playing every other Mario beforehand. It's like, yeah. let the kid just play the new one. You got to play the new one when you were young. Yeah, I'm going to alienate my child from their own peers because I'm a weirdo who never grew up. Mm-hmm. It's like fair play if you want to introduce your child to like whatever you enjoy. I, you know, I never like would uh, say that's a bad thing. But yeah, it's the people who specifically are like, I'm going to make sure that my kid plays my version of the thing mm-hmm. and not let them play their version of it. It's like, no, you had your version, they'll have theirs. It's fine. As long as you can both come out of it liking the same thing at the end, that's the the correct thing achieved, right? Yeah. But that's why one of the reasons why like, these new ideas... And he said it there, it's like, it's a new idea, but it's already based on something that already existed. And the basic game- gameplay loop is by, by one of the oldest games in existence, Tetris. Mm-hmm. And you just connect things that are similar to get rid of them to score points. And similar to like that satisfaction of Poyo Poyo as well. The idea that when you hit that one Poyo, it just goes, that hits the right place, then it causes the chain. And that can happen in this, where like you'll finally get like one cherry, you'll hit another cherry to make a strawberry. And it cascades. But that's, that's sitting next to the strawberry, that's sitting next to the grape, that's sitting next to the... Uh, I can't remember. Uh, oh, it's a persimmon. Oh no, it's a, de- a decapon, and then a persimmon. Yeah, those are the, the thing two fruits. Well, I wasn't sure what they were. Now, imagine now, like there's someone out there you know there is probably someone from EA looking at this to go in. What about after they get the score, a little thing pops up like ninety nine cents to play again? Or what happens when you know you can pay like? Five pounds for a loot box, and you'll get skins for the watermelon. Yeah. And the thing is, I can't wait for like two years' time when EA release like when no no when EA finally have caught on to this trend and release like the mobile watermelon game, and it's like you're so far behind. You know that thing I was talking about earlier of everybody trying to to like find that game that's popping off and then you'll yeah. see like the big publisher that it has to go through 300 people and two years of development or five years of development to see the light of day and it's like but this wasn't trending for the past two years yeah. like what i you thought doing? you meant the trend of just making good games that are interesting and people enjoy i mean if only that were the trend and it it is funny because nearly every time in the past what like 10 years there has been a massive viral game. Mm-hmm. It has been like, it's you know, been like a, indie a developer yep. 301. Like, fucking Minecraft came out of one dude, one dickhead. Has seen Amika made it, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the meme for people don't know. Okay. So that, you know, that know. <laughs> yeah, they just say Hatsune Miku made Minecraft. Because you don't have to acknowledge Notch that way. Yeah. He can but, just go yeah, live sure. in his, his, his sad boy mansion. Um, yeah it's just one of those things of like it's so funny watching these like you know awful publishers like fucking Blizzard and Activision and EA who are just like you know what 
we're gonna like cut 500 jobs this year because we want a bigger bonus and it's like they'll just flounder and flounder trying to get these like random viral hits and well, then... it always is as well because they'll see something like you know like this game it's okay so it's a simple idea mm-hmm. made for a reasonable cost that's not doesn't overstate its welcome doesn't try doesn't like you know disrespect the player's time made by a small you know competent team like modest like you know modest team of people mm-hmm. with reasonable expectations in terms of like the time frame the game will be delivered on and the actual you know financial success of the game which obviously has now been surpassed like good for them and then it's made with passion and craft and they have a genuine enthusiasm for creating a product that they want people to enjoy and they see that and they go but how do we do that without doing any of this <laughs> it's like we want this bit the bit with all the money yeah. we don't do any of this other stuff we want this mm-hmm. and it's like, funny because yeah. like even for example vampire survivors like that game was a lovingly crafted but also b made by a guy that worked on like a previously had been like um employed by a bunch of gambling sites to make like those dopamine games and he's just like, like you know slot what? machines and stuff and he just went killing my fucking soul okay well what but what if we take those nice dopamine hits and put it in a game that you only costs you like four quid and you don't have to keep spending on mm-hmm. and it, it it's turns like, out it, people it, play that game forever yeah it gives you that same hit of like here's all like the sparkly sound of it, you know, here's all like the ching, 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 you got loads of prizes, like, you know, spin the wheel, see what prize you get, blah, 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 mm. you got a power up. And it's like, you get that for paying like a couple of quid and standing still mm-hmm. rather than gambling it away. And it, even though that guy understood mechanically, like the, as I say, like the weird just dopamine cycle from all those big flashing mm-hmm. lights and sounds that slot machines give you. He then decided to take that and, as you say, put, like, some craft into it and even, like, you know, basically traced fucking Castlevania sprites. Mm-hmm. And it's all of it is just to be like, fuck it, let's make a fun little game that's going to give you a lot of joy. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, the conversation we've had. Myself and you have had this separately and together when we're creating mm. content, which is, someone will talk to us and say, oh, so you're on YouTube, right? And you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Like, there's, a, hey, there's a couple of avenues you could be going down right like, now. It's like, hey, you're on YouTube. I'd also like to get into YouTube. Mm. How do I get to a point where I'm making YouTube videos full-time for a living? And we'll say, like, well, first, like, you know, me, my path was I worked as con- I went to university first. So I developed the skills for writing and researching and working to a time frame and just all that stuff. And then I just started writing every day, every single day, like hundreds and hundreds of, like, you know, articles, like, tens of not tens of thousands close to ten thousand articles at this point over the course of like time and i just built slowly built up connections and within the industry and started to learn how it worked and then when i started fact fiend i had a little bit of a nest egg built up from just living like a pauper for three years and mm-hmm. used my connections in the industry to advertise it right away and then when it took off i was very lucky that it did but i was able to um uh, capitalize on that success thanks to the work ethic i'd um uh, built through all those years of like you know toiling away in obscurity mm-hmm. and now thankfully i've got that and i've able been able to parlay it into more and more success and just you know a career that i'm happy with and they say okay but how do i get how do i get paid though how do i do that but like now do, yeah how do i do that but i've got to miss that 10 years of work you put in because i just want the bit where you make money i want and that bit it's funny as well because you, you get the opposite side of it. it's like okay well um do you have like a phone 
Well, yeah, 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 of course I have a phone. Okay, so is it working? Is it modern? Yeah, pretty modern. Okay, so that means you've got a camera and a mic. Start streaming or start making videos, whatever you want to do. Just start, do it. And, and then they say, but how do I get paid for it though? And it's like, that's not the goal. You want to make the content first and then worry about getting paid for it. Make content but, that people want to see. It's always the thing of like, oh, but you know, I, I want to stream, but like, I don't have like a top end PC and like a camera and a microphone and all this. Ja- and it's like, there are people streaming like from their Xbox on their microphone that came like, mm-hmm. you know, with the console or whatever, or like streaming on PlayStation 5 with that little fit shitty mic that's like yeah. in the controller. And it's like, you've got something like that. There's a Twitch app on that that lets you stream your games. Just start doing it. You don't need a camera to begin with. You don't need a high-end mic to begin with. Like, start out first and see how you feel and see what, you know, sparks the creativity and see if you you enjoy what you're doing. It's No, but I I can't really do any of that because I need, like, a couple of grand to begin with. It's like, you don't. And then it's that thing as well. Oh, I've been streaming for a couple of months and I've only got, like, two or three viewers. How do I get more? And it's like, well, there's no way to guarantee to get more views. Mm-hmm. And then they'll hear that and they'll go, well, how do I get more though? It's like, I mean, well, there's, just make content that you like and hopefully, you know, it's luck of the draw. Not everyone can get lucky. If everyone can get lucky, no one would be. We literally have, what, a series here of podcasts where pretty much every week we'll mention that we're on Twitch mm-hmm. and that we stream, like, you know, at least once a week. With cl- almost clockwork regularity, yes. Yes, we have schedules that we stream to. We have an audience that we t- tell of several like, thousand people every week. Several thousand people every week listen to this, and like we struggle to get our numbers up. And then there's because people who are like, "It's impossible." I've been streaming for like three weeks straight on Twitch and got no growth. It's, it's like, like yeah, yeah, it's difficult, and you know, it's not for everyone. And it's a very soul crushing industry of like not everyone can be successful, but the people that are, for the most part, generally at least put the work in. For the most part, yeah. The most there are obviously yeah. like some Outliers. random fringe examples where like people, you know, don't necessarily do that, but yeah. It's like the answer is that most people that you'll randomly see, as I say, as like like that overnight success, when it comes to content creators, they've probably been making videos for like five years. Yeah. It's like uh just and the thing I always say is is advice my dad gave me. Of like, son, you can never plan on being lucky, but you know, no one, no one who doesn't like, no one who's lucky, you, you can't plan on being lucky. But if you are, the hard work you put in prior to being lucky will allow you to capitalize on it. And that's the like, thing, isn't it? Of like, you've got to hope that you're lucky. But if you've got the right set of skills and made the right preparations, you'll be able to pounce on that moment when you get lucky. You hope so, yeah. Anyway, you know, it's, it's just. A weird tangent there, but I thought that's like a good example of that thing of like, yeah, this company they probably never expected for this idea to take off, and it was only, it was through no direct action of themselves besides they made a good product, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of good products out there that probably don't get the recognition and just exposure that they arguably should, but every now and again something does. So, you know, for everyone, for every synthetic watermelon game and Among Us, there's another game that's toiled away in obscurity that you know. Could have could have had the same um, uh, success like, if not for the fact that just the universe didn't the smile thing on them that day. Even for example, uh, this watermelon game and 
Among Us, they lived in relative obscurity for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And just all of a sudden, the right person picks it up and you get lucky, and then all of a sudden, millions of people know about your game. And you, say that, and you can't plan on that happening. No. There's no way to plan for that to happen. And it's, it's one of those funny success. things of, like, you can even... You know, uh, again, this is not product placement or sponsored or anything. But if you I then said, talk about it, yeah. If I then said, like, oh, uh, Suica, you can reach out to me and sponsor me for a stream. It's a, But the thing is, because of the way they've had success, they don't even need to. They get free no. marketing from people like me right now talking about the game. For free, yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Well, that's another thing like, with businesses where they, they so desperately want to have that kind of organic growth and that's why so many ads and sponsor spots on youtube because i've read a lot of sponsor spot scripts mm. and near universally they always say don't tell people they're getting paid mm. and they, because they want they want it to seem like you are organically recommending their product without prompting and it's like there's very few times where that will actually happen and a lot of them will be like oh you can only it's like you're not necessarily able to not say that you got sponsored because that's illegal but mm. what they can say is like only don't, um, don't only money. use like positives um talk about it as if you've chosen to play the game and that's why you'll see so many ones on like ray shadow legends of like look i know this is a sponsor spot but i i started playing the game and i legitimately love it now and it's like there's there's wording in there to encourage that behavior in the sponsor spot it will never stop being funny to me that um every youtube content creator turned around on established titles because one guy's like, did you know that it's just a novelty gift? And you know, like we had that video where we talked about they actually do donate money to charity and we've seen the actual like land mm -hmm. deeds for where the charitable funds are going and the thank you letter from the charity they work with. But every content creator turned around and it's like, oh, I don't want to be associated with like, you know, the hot mess on the internet this week. And then I remember making a mental note of every content creator who publicly said they didn't want to work with them. Hmm. And then how many of them went and did Raid Shadow Legends plugs? <laughs> and here's a fun fact from someone who um, uh, had a script for a Raid Shadow Legends plug for an episode of How Not to Do Weekends. Um, they will how Not give, to Do Business. Uh, how Not to Do Business, yes. they mm. set One of the things that they give the people in the videos is they give them um, a higher level account than they should have to give the illusion that they've actually played the game. And With then, higher drop rates than normal as well. And there's the thing. They also give them higher drop rates on like the gacha mechanics in the game. So they're pretty much guaranteed to, if they go in for the 10 seconds, to actually just get the footage of the gacha drops. Mm -hmm. They're almost guaranteed to get like a diamond rare drop or something like that. And that's literally false advertising. Yep. And I never saw any YouTuber ever not take Raid Shadow Legends money. I'm sure even, there will even, be people, but there's not people... It's hard Even, to find people that have actively outspoken against it. Yeah, yeah, but, but specifically the ones who are like, I don't want to work with a product that um, uh, misleads my audience. And then they've mm. gone and done Rage Shadow Legends plugs. And it's just... And then yeah. th that, that applies for basically any sponsor you'll see for any mobile game or any Every game with one, like yeah. gotcha drops and stuff is like the drop rate will be increased for their sponsors. Yep. And... I never saw anyone complain about that because you know why? Because no one made a big enough fuss about it for it to um, affect their bottom line. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just one of those of like, we, uh, we, we understand there's a lot of facets to a lot of things, but like, yeah, just don't be one of those assholes online that's like willing to point the finger so quickly if you're going to then 
turn around and also have your finger on the stink. Like I think that's what got me as well. I think it was just like the specific thing of like um, uh, I'm going to be really careful about vetting my sponsors from this point onwards. Mm-hmm. And then they went and took a bunch of Raid Shadow Legends money, and it's like you don't care. You just wanted, to... and that's the thing. I respect if they just went look. So that's why we made the video, isn't it, about established titles? Well, we held our hands and like, look, everyone on the internet is yelling at us. So we actually mm-hmm. thought, let's just ask the people in charge. Mm-hmm. For like, you know, can you refute any of these accusations made again about your product? And the fact that they responded with an email and then the, I think the head of the company sent me a personal message of like, here's like literal confidential information that I shouldn't be sharing about like, you know, charitable donations that we've made. And like, here's the tax numbers that you can follow that show that we are a registered charity and it's that's like, donated don't, money. You're not allowed to like share this because again, it's like confidential information, but like for sake of proving to us that like donations had actually been made, which is what they were being accused of is no donations being made. It's like, yeah, we can confirm that that happened. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things like, oh, so... No content creator actually did their due diligence. And then, like, yeah, again, the scripts and stuff, which we read through the scripts, and, like, a bunch of content creators were like, oh, they were lying in their thing. It's like, well, no, the scripts that they were reading, they were actually misquoting the scripts and mm-hmm. ad-libbing. Yeah. And the actual scripts that everyone got sent were nothing in the scripts was actually false advertising under any definition of the term. It was mm-hmm. the content creators themselves who were guilty of uh, exaggerating. What was anyway, promised? Carl. Yes. Sorry, I thought that was a fun Should one. we take a quick break? Let's take a quick break. Carl, we are back. We are indeed. Uh, the dogs have stopped kicking off. Just like as I went for a break, just like someone knocked at the door and just caused like a nightmare downstairs. And it's like, okay, let's sort that out before going and trying to record it again. It's like, is there like anything like more terrifying than it's like you knock on someone's door and then you just hear, <laughs> you're like, oh no. Like, either if it's not like a big dog at the other side, you know, you're pissed off the person you visit. Mm-hmm. Last thing, like, we, like, one, one of our dogs, Oryx, he doesn't kick off too much, but the issue is Kate does, but then him kicking off will then kick the other dog off, and it's like, yeah. then they're both going, it's just like, could you, could you please just, like, not, not, uh, we need to just get one of those signs that's like, don't fucking knock at our door, we've got dogs, please. Yeah. And yeah, you know, speaking of Oryx, you mentioned that Oryx is uh, he's your new dog, yes? Yeah, Oryx is the dog that we rescued a couple of months back. And he's a little bit on the hefty side, yes? Uh, he is, but he has been losing a lot of weight, which is he good. Has, in, a, in a healthy way, I imagine. Just like, you know, through good diet and exercise and just like, yes. you know, cleaning um, and good choices. When we rescued him, he was like nearly twice the recommended weight. So it's been like diet city for him in a healthy enough way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still getting as much of a portion that like Cade would, but clearly beforehand he'd been getting way bigger a portion than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, speaking of, you know, losing weight, that's what we're talking about for my entry on Wiki Weekends or Wiki Weekdays, I should say. So which one of these like horrible weight gain or weight loss shows are we talking about? So we're talking about one of the originators, Lucas, and that is The Biggest Loser. Oh, okay, yeah. So, if it's not already been established by every other episode of Wiki Weekends, I adore <laughs> bad television. And bad reality I, TV as well. Bad reality TV especially, yeah. And Biggest Loser is one of those ones that I never watched, but was always aware of via reputation. Mm-hmm. And I know via reputation, just over the years, it's basically been singled out as, this was possibly one of the most unhealthy shows 
ever made, both in terms of like, you know, literally of like the things they're telling people to do are unhealthy. And then also just as a symptom of society at that moment of like, this isn't healthy for this to be a way society is viewing people. Yeah. And I am curious, did I, um, did I spark this in your brain either consciously or subconsciously? It's because I was just scrolling on Prime and just it came up of like recommended oh, right. on your viewing. And it went, the big, biggest loser. And I went, I've heard that's bad. Is it's it funny because I mentioned the biggest loser to you like less than a week ago on content of some kind. I've been, men- I've been watching I for like a couple of weeks. Maybe in the, okay, I was like, maybe Carl's like subconsciously heard me talk about biggest loser for, from some video and then gone like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I should go watch that. I think it's just because like I just like bad reality TV and mm-hmm. I've watched yeah. so much of it. And yeah, the biggest loser is awful. And I think I mentioned like Black Mirror earlier in this recording session, yes. mm-hmm. And speaking of Black Mirror, have you ever seen the episode like Six Million Credits with, uh, it's, I believe it's Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah, where he um, he's on like the, essentially like the fucking Peloton bike to so, go yeah, onto the, bike, the game yeah. show. Yeah, and yeah. And the whole thing is like, they just have a show where all it is is just making fun of fat people. And you think, right, that's yeah. weirdly dystopian. That's the biggest loser. Uh, is especially as a British person, the amount of like British TV shows from like the noughties, my four hundred pound life, that were just like like there's a clip uh, that I saw from like a TikTok going around a little while ago, and it's like, oh well, British TV shows were mean, but they couldn't have been that mean. It was like, oh, welcome to this place, town of like the fattest family in the UK, full of fatty McFatties, and it's yeah. like holy shit. And the biggest loser with an American show, it's not overtly harsh in that way it's a mm-hmm. lot more insidious and i think that's worse somehow but but it was unfamiliar with the format you know it's a wiki weekday so we'll go through the wikipedia page the biggest loser is an american competition reality show that initially ran on nbc for 17 seasons between 2004 and 2016 before moving to the usa network in 2020 so it's still going on mm-hmm the show features obese or overweight contestants competing to win a cash prize by losing the highest percentage of weight relative to their initial starting weight. And therein lies the chief issue with the show, where losing weight, if you are unhealthily overweight, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's not good for you? Losing weight really aggressively. Like crash diets. Crash diets. Mm-hmm. And do you know why they're bad, Lucas? Because they don't fucking work. Yeah. Crash diets, there's, an, there's a reason why they're called like yo-yo diets, where you drop down and drop straight back up. Of it's, and people are wondering, like, what's the, is this, what's the science behind this? Basically, crash diets don't work because they rely on you making dramatic changes to the way you live your life that are unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly dropping down to like 500 calories. Like the Atkins diet, where it's just drink fucking cabbage soup and have 400 calories a day. That'll help you lose weight, but that's not a sustainable way to live. And as a result, when people go off the diet, they fall off the rails and gain the weight back for the most part. Like, and then have to go on another diet. Generally speaking, diets, like, you know, when we talk about diets, we're talking like, you know, short-term kind of dietary, big, massive changes, whereas they don't seem to, to be very effective for most people, whereas lifestyle changes is overall what you need. Yes, but, uh, you know... We're not talking about those that we're talking about. You've got to lose that weight, you fatty. Mm-hmm. And premise, each season of The Biggest Loser starts the 30-week competition with a weigh-in to determine the contestant's starting weight, which serves as a baseline for determining the overall winner. 
The contestants then grouped into teams of three, each wearing separate colored t-shirts. And depending on the season, a, a team may work with a specific trainer or all trainers may work with all contestants. And I was watching the Australian version where like they bring, they bring in as their like their super secret, like third team. It's a guy called the commando and he's in like the special forces. Oh, uh, to just shout at them. Yeah. And he's like, I was a special. And the thing is, you look at that guy, he is fit as fuck. Like mm, he is in yeah. phenomenal shape. And so what I did is I watched the first episode of a lot of seasons to see like, mm. I find it interesting when you look at one from like 2006 to 2014 and look at how the format changes. Yeah, yeah. And something I noticed while I was watching them, because again, I'm just fascinated by the construction of media. Like this is just a thing that I do. I watch like, I watch pilot episodes of crap TV shows all the time. Mm. And I love watching like reality TV shows and found footage movies and stuff like that on YouTube because I, I just, I'm fascinated with the production of media. And something I noticed is in almost every season, they have like the first workout, which we'll get to in a moment. So hmm. actually, you know, I'll leave it till we get to the format of the show. But yeah, they have personal trainers and they become celebrities in their own rights. And during an episode, various challenges and temptations, see below, are featured. Those who win a particular challenge are given special privileges, such as a weight advantage for the next weigh-in or even full immunity from being voted off the show. And this is the issue with the show. of It's a game show. So people can lose. And there needs to be game elements in there, like, as you say, temptations, which is where, like, I fundamentally go from, like, oh, maybe this could help some people out, mm-hmm. to, like, no, fuck this idea of a show. It, it's basically, I said that episode six million credits, if we're watching people with serious, like, these are people who have serious physical problems, in a lot of cases, mental health issues. Like, like a lot, a lot of these people who are picked for these shows are like morbidly obese, right? Yeah, but like one of the things I noticed is obviously you want the drama aspect. Mm-hmm. So they're like they're interviewing like there's one season I was watching the Australian version where there's two twins and they're both overweight, and like obviously I was thinking, are they going to put both on the show and put one separate team? Like if they don't do that, no, they say only one's allowed to make it on, and they make the twins oh, decide which one of them should continue on on the show. Essentially, having to decide... It's Sophie's choice. Yeah. Which, which one of you wants to get professional help to deal with your deep-seated issues with food and health? Instead of just, you know, letting them both get on the show and both get an attempt exactly. at being that's helped it, out. And that's it. I'm watching it, this show, and I'm like, this is dystopian. Like mm-hmm. I said, it is literally that episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. It is literally that. But then each week culminates in another weigh-in to determine which team has lost the most weight for that week in percentage of total weight lost. So you might think, well, surely the biggest, heaviest people will be more likely to win. It's like, no, it's a percentage of the weight you lose. But the problem is, is that the teams who have like the really heavy people on there, they get a massive boost right away because just by virtue of the fact they're on a restrictive diet, they end up losing mm-hmm. like 10, 15 kilos mm-hmm. just by not doing anything. Yeah. And it it's just, uh, it's one of those things of like, I get that you need to dramatize it in some way for the sake of television, but yeah. There's other it, things you could drop, like Bear Grylls taking a celebrity to the woods to drink their own piss, fine. That's a reality <laughs> TV show I'll watch, but this one, it's like you are exploiting people with serious issues. Like I said, during some of the interviews, it's like, so, they're really harsh. Well, it's like, so why do you think you're so fat? One person like, well, when I was younger, I was sexually abused and just fell into food to make myself more unattractive. And then the, the, the you see the trainer go, hmm, 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 okay. And then they got voted off the next week. <laughs> well, fuck them, I suppose. Yeah. 
It's like, right, this sounds like a problem that we're not qualified for. Goodbye. Yeah, so episode format. So episodes are typically two hours long, although some episodes have been aired in a shortened one-hour format to accommodate adjacent network programming such as The Voice and The State of the Union Address. And I don't think there's anything more American than cutting an episode of The Biggest Loser short for The State of the Union Address. (laughs) As if these episodes were two hours long. Lucas, people love watching people suffer. And I say, I'm watching these shows in that, like, morbid curiosity sense of, like, how bad were they? That's one of the reasons why I love watching, like, old reality TV shows and old movies. And so I look look at the problematic elements that were, like, portrayed as not being a big deal, for example. And it's nice to see how far we've come in regards to, you know, um, progressive issues. There is a lot of those TV shows where I watch quite a bit of them because, like, my family had watched them. And say for, you know, while we were just like all sitting in the living room, I'm sitting there like playing on a DS and they've got like one of these TV shows on in the background. And like one of the ones that I went back to to see how bad it was, again, out of like that curiosity factor, was a super size versus super skinny. Which again, it's a show I love. I know I shouldn't, but again, it's just one of those things, morbid curiosity of like just... I, I was just, I was shocked at how much of it is just rooted in like victim blaming and body shaming mm-hmm. and well, it's like... they literally ha- start every episode by having them stripped down to their underwear mm-hmm. and stare at each other yep as they like put in like these weird like wonka tubes of their food for the week and it's like look at how much you like under or over eat look at your little like sad tube with no food in it and it's like these people like like have eating disorders yeah and one and thing like, i will say need yeah. mental help like not super- body shaming and supervisor super skinny it's like at the very least they have a doctor who's leading the show because i think biggest loser does not have a fucking doctor right as yeah. their lead person dr christian is a real actual doctor mm-hmm. and he does give the people on it an actual food chart that like you know a professional like a health and nutrition expert who the hired by the show gives them. And it right. tells them this is exactly the amount of calories you should be eating. This is what you should be here's a food plan. Follow this. It's nutritionally balanced to it's nutritionally balanced to either help you lose weight or gain weight, respectively. And again, Stick to this. if it if it was just that, that's not like That's not TV, television. That's not a TV show because you need there's to no, see him crying. Yeah. There's none of that drama involved, and it's like, as you say, people like to watch others suffer. And it's... Speaking of watching people suffer, Lucas, uh, the shows uh, will typically follow some, but not all, of the following activities based on the particular season. So the first and most important thing that happens in a show is the temptation. So contestants prepare for the first day of the week, only to find the situation that involves temptation. The temptation usually requires contestants to gamble by eating or drinking delicious but high-calorie food in exchange for what may be a beneficial trade-off. And you might think, okay, so what could the potential beneficial things be for consuming, like, you know, in one episode I watched, it's like, who's going to put a big slice of cake in front of you? Mm-hmm. And they just stand all over there and say, if you eat this cake, you'll get a reward. But then you've eaten the cake, and that's bad. What do you think would be like, you know, a reward for a show like this? Um, as in, like, a reward for not taking the temptation? No, because that's the thing. You get the reward for eating it. You get the reward for eating it. Because right. that's the temptation. It's like, are you tempted to eat the cake for the reward? 
or are you going to stick to your guns, not eat the cake, but not get the reward? Do they then reward them with more food? No. They, they can be rewarded with things such as the chance to call a loved one. The ability to contact your family. I didn't, is... didn't realise they weren't in contact with their family. Nope. What the fuck? Because obviously, Lucas, they want to do the big reveal, right? For a show like this, you need to have the family come in after it's all done and they see the dramatic weight. phone calls. You Jesus need, Christ. You need to see how much weight they've lost, so you need them to be surprised so they can't contact their loved ones. So they'll say, mm. here's a big... We know you're on a diet. We know you have a problem with food and self-control. Here's a big fat slice of cake. If you eat it, you can call your family. If not, you're not allowed to call your family. But then we're going to shame you for eating the cake. And they give them so much shit if they eat the cake. Like the trainers, yeah. but the best bit is because it's a show. Because again, I watched like the first couple episodes of, each, of a few seasons. Sometimes the trainer's like, well done for resisting the temptation. I know it can't have been easy. I, I, I really respect you for like, you know, sticking to your guns and like being committed to your health. And then mm-hmm. other episodes where people don't eat it, like sometimes like they'll all just band together and go, well, if none of us do it, then we'll all just stick together, right? And we'll all just like, mm-hmm. you know, just agree to do it. The trainers will come in and go, come on, guys, this is a game. You've got to play the game a little bit. You want to get that reward because I can give you an advantage in the way in. Fucking hell. So basically, like, they play both sides. Like sometimes yeah. they'll, like, they'll tell good job, but then sometimes they'll give them shit for not playing the game. Because obviously, if all of them just sat there and didn't do anything, that's not good TV. Yeah, because that's not like you know, psychologically berating people while they're, like, going through this anguish. Yep. No. Like, there's and one you know what? what um, it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous. I was going to say, like, I, I don't mind the premise of these TV shows when it's not about, like, you know, people with health problems. And it's, so, when it's, like... Master when, chef. Who gives a shit? It's like, who's the best well, chef? Well, I was going to say, like, you know, I recently um, watched, like, last year or whatever when it came out, like... Netflix did like a version of the mole, and it's like we've oh, got yeah. a bunch of like greedy assholes together, and they're all gonna like you know s- s- just fuck each other over for money mm-hmm. or fail to fuck each other over for money. Yeah, that's fine. It's like, yeah. When it's when it's people being assholes to one another for like money that they don't really need because you know these seemingly aren't a bunch of people like on the poverty line or anything. They're just mm-hmm. again a bunch of greedy assholes, and it's like. I don't really care. I can laugh at them for that. And I can laugh at when they fail. But, like, when it's like, oh, did you want to call your family? Eat this fat piece of cake, you fat person. And it's like, we're going to make fun of you for eating the cake. And then you want to call your family. And you better cry. We better see some tears because that's good TV. It's like, I can't believe none of you ate the cake this week. It's a game show. What the fuck are you doing? This isn't entertainment. Yeah, well, speaking of the game show element, the initial workout. So contestants work out with their trainers during this segment. The trainers will usually speak with certain contestants, especially those who are doing poorly. Usually underlying emotional issues are revealed at this time, such as the loss of a family member or a physical calamity. Often triggering events that led to the weight gain in the first place. And something that's really, really dire when you're watching these initial weight gains is because the personal trainers... Some of them, they look all right. Like the Marine guy, or the Commando guy, he's a bit harsh, but of all of the ones I saw, he's the most reasonable because he's like, look, just I expect a lot from you mm-hmm. because you've made a commitment. And he's really reasonable in that sense. But then you've got a couple who are like, it's like this little blonde woman. You know when you look at her, like you know she's going to be the worst one. Mm. Well, like, they're working out with her and like someone just starts vomiting. It's like, yeah, it's not a good first workout if you don't vomit. Vomiting is not a bad thing during a workout. It means you've never worked out before. And then I remember thinking back to when I started working out and they said, if you ever get to the point during your workout where you're vomiting, you're doing too much. Slow the fuck mm-hmm. down. Like vomiting is a sign your body can't handle something. 
And then yeah, you it's see literally it, your body rejecting what's happening. And you see people like vomiting in the bushes and the trainer's like, ah, it's not a good first workout if people don't vomit. And obviously because it's a get, they get want to gamify it because reasonably it'd be, okay, your first workout, you're all severely overweight. You've never exercised before. We should just do a light walk. Let's just go for a yeah, two exactly. hour long walk. But it's like, we can't have that because that's not good television. Let's just make them do. And I was, I was trying to follow along with one of the workouts and I got tired. Because I vaguely, She's like, make I think it was the never- biggest loser. I vaguely remember an image in my head of like them doing an obstacle course with like weighted backpacks on or something. Yep. And it's like, uh, aren't these people that are meant to be like, you know, as you say, losing weight and trying to like exercise in a healthy way? It's like, no, no, fuck it. Make them like climb walls with 40 kilos in the backpack. But then they'll see, like, the contestants are like, I didn't realise how fit I was. It's like, a fit... I couldn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't do... Like, you've got, like, a fucking former Royal Marine. Of course you're going to be able to do his workout first time with no prep. And that's the thing as well. They never stretch. And that really freaks me out. Presumably they do. Because obviously... Well, they just don't show it. But they don't stretch or prepare, and that really freaks me out. And the problem is that a lot of them get injured, because... They're severely overweight, and they're making them do... Like, I've seen people like join the weight machines. Do you like CrossFit is in the gym? Mm. And I'm like, that's not good form. Yeah, yeah. That's not good form at all. Someone should be telling them that's not good form, but obviously they're just there, like, lift as much weight as you possibly can as quickly and as hard as possible to lose weight. Yeah. And then, obviously, people get injured. And then the problem is when people get injured, they can't work out, and they get voted off the show. Yeah. It's like, but they need it the most. They're Mm -hmm. the most in need of help, and they're the ones who get voted off. Oh god. It's rough. But then Lucas, we've never got the last chance workout, which are oh, often no. these are <laughs> often as grueling and final preparations for a weigh-in. And these are the ones where you've had like I'm aware of all like the, the shenanigans behind the scenes. Where like people will just not drink water because obviously water is you need it for a workout, but that's weight. Yeah, water weight is like a big deal. It's obviously why you see like, you know, before weigh-ins for um boxing like you know, boxing, stuff. MMA, stuff like that, like people will dehydrate themselves and stuff so that's what contestants do but these like severely overweight people dehydrating themselves and they're going for a mad workout and there are behind the scenes stories like yeah piss blood we were pissing blood because we'd not eaten or drank anything all day but we needed to lose as much weight as possible for the weigh-in because if we if we gained weight or didn't lose as much weight as we wanted to we could be voted off the show and if we get voted off the show we lose access to like you know world-class personal trainers and like you know basically paid a 30 weeks paid leave from work to work out and better ourselves and then the worst part is is that you've got what however many people a dozen people all in the exact same situation all trying to like unhealthily outdo each other yeah and you say like that desperation and they do say they pay lip service on the show we have doctors who ensure that people aren't doing anything like they're not losing weight in an unhealthy way which is kind of undermined by the fact that the first episode of every season is a bunch of people vomiting and the train has been like... It's, you know, realistically, it's what um, a healthy amount to lose is like a few pounds each week. If that, yeah. They're not going to be losing that small amount of, you know, comparative weight. And They're going to be 
encouraging them to lose, like I say, just as physically much as possible, yep. detrimental to your health. Well, yeah. The weigh-in. Although the show depicts the weigh-in is an evening setting, the actual weight measurements occur off camera in a morning session, and the contestants are not told the results at that time. All contestants are weighed to determine the amount they have lost relative to their total body weight. During team-based competitions, the team that loses the highest percentage wins, and the losing team must send one person home. And that's where it comes in of like, you don't want to be on the losing team. And you certainly don't want to be the person on the losing team who lost the least amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the unhealthy aspect comes in. Because no doubt the person who lost the least amount is the person they're going to vote out because they're not trying hard enough. Yeah, even if they're trying really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And then we have weight loss regimen, risks and criticism. So according to LiveScience.com, and I quote, physicians and nutritionists worry that the show's focus on competitive weight loss is at best counterproductive and at worst woefully dangerous yeah contestants on the show lose upwards of 10 pounds per week in the first week some contestants have lost 20 to 30 plus pounds in one week alone whereas the established medical guidelines for safe healthy weight loss are between one and two pounds per week so in some cases they're losing 30 times more than the safe recommended amount it's possible to lose and of course you can say these are people who are like so severely overweight that like losing a pound if you're like 150 pounds overweight it's going to take you if you lose one pound per week that's going to take you three years Mm -hmm. but then you think well how long does it take you to get to that weight yeah it's like realistically that's probably what it should take yeah it took you 10 years to get to this size it's going to take you like a third of that time to get back down Mm -hmm. this is not something you can do in a couple of weeks but obviously that doesn't make good television so fuck it no so other health writers have taken it even further, suggesting that everything from the show's dietary guidelines to workout routines are completely flawed. And I'd say like just watching people not stretch and lift weights with improper form, yeah. While also very overweight. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't help the situation, and it's like all compounding on one another. There was a guy who like he's um, he hurts his knee, and obviously like you know if I hurt my knee, walking around my knee is probably bad. But if I weighed like 150 pounds more than I do now and I hurt my knee, that's a severe issue. Like that could be, mm-hmm. you know, mobility threatening. If like I, for example, work out and do go do like a 10K jog on a bad knee and they make people do that. Yeah. And they'll have them cheering like, look, he pushed through the pain, he pushed through the pain. It's like he could lose his leg. He could lose the ability to walk properly. For this, and like you're a health expert, you should be telling this guy not to work out. You, well, should, be, uh, you should be like putting in a swimming pool. That's the question: Are they health experts, or are they just like people that were hired to shout at people? Mm-hmm. Like uh, how when it's just unquantifiable, like health expert, it's like well, how much of an expert are they? When it's oh, this is like you know, I just like a doctor with a degree. Yeah, it's like that's a an actual qualification, but it's like. There's no health expert qualification out there. It's like, what quantifies you as an expert? There's also the thing of, like, literally every doctor ever asked who doesn't work directly with the show has said it's unhealthy. And they even Mm -hmm. say they have a disclaimer at the end of a show saying that they're supervised by doctors and that their diet and exercise regimens are tailored to their medical status and specific needs. Despite this claim of supervision, however, all contestants are required to sign a waiver that states, and I quote, no warranty representation or guarantee has been made to the qualifications or credentials of the medical professionals who examine me or perform any procedures on me in connection with my participation in the series. So even though the series says they have doctors, all the people who take part on the show have to sign a waiver saying, I understand that these people are fucking doctors. 
Yikes. The, the weight loss regimen used in the show, severe caloric restriction combined with up to six hours a day of strenuous exercise, involves a risk including the weakening of the heart muscle, irregular heartbeat, and dangerous reduction in potassium and electrolytes. Contestants, regardless of their weight, are required to certify they believe they are in excellent physical, emotional, psychological, and mental health. So again, they sign a waiver saying, I believe I'm in great physical, emotional, psychological, and mental health, even though the whole point of the show is that they are severely physically unfit and then get emotionally browbeaten for the entire show because it makes for good television. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you are in like good emotional or mental health at the start, you're probably not going to be by the end of it. No. The biggest loser's second chances include a one-mile foot race in its first week, an event that led to the hospitalization of two of its contestants. Jake says, what happens when you take people that are in this condition and make them do like extraneous activity that they're not used to? They, that, that, you know, one, yeah, you're meant to where... build up a tolerance. Now, there's one where a guy just fell over. Like, he just falls over and they think he's having a heart attack and they say, he wasn't having a heart attack, he was just really tired from doing a run. And he comes back the next episode and keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the, like, again, I get it. People want to watch these weird-ass dystopian television programs, but... It's just like kicking people while they're down and laughing at them for it. Yeah, well, because the show is a contest that involves elimination, some contestants are encouraged to take risks that endanger their health, or the show has always denied doing so. So they deny it, they encourage people to do so, but the format of the show itself is all the encouragement you need, well, isn't I it? I was going to say the the existence of like the, the threat of going home or the prizes involved, yeah, like that's enough to encourage people to go far beyond what is healthy. Yeah, so Ryan C. Benson, the winner of the program's first season, publicly admitted that he dropped some of the weight by fasting and dehydrating himself to the point he was, and I quote, urinating blood. Also, since the show, Benson has regained all of the weight he lost, but 10 to 12 pounds. Because obviously, the show didn't teach him how to live a healthier life. It taught him that if we just get someone to follow you around and make you run 10 kilometers every day and not feed you, you'll lose weight. It's like, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> it's like, guess what? It's real easy to be thrown into like a fucking boot camp, basically like told what you're eating and told to exercise. Like, it's real easy to maintain a weight loss program that way, but to then be sent back into the real world where you don't have all of these controls put in place, yeah, well, speaking what's going to happen? Speaking of which, um, uh, the runner-up from the third season, um, Kai Hibbert told the New York Times that she and other contestants would drink as little water as possible in the 24 hours before a weigh-in. She further stated that two weeks after the show had ended, she regained about 31 pounds, mostly from simply staying hydrated. Because she yeah. just started drinking water again and gained 31 pounds in water weight. Because, yes, yeah, stay fucking hydrated. I mean, I didn't realise that's the level of, like, difference it can make when you weigh yeah. that much, like 30 pounds of well, water weight. Why do you think boxers do it? Because yeah. you can lose up to, like... A person of like, I could probably, if I just stopped drinking water and got dehydrated, I could probably lose like five to ten pounds. Yeah, that, the average, that's, average person can lose about five well, to ten pounds. I was probably thinking think someone who's like a hundred pounds overweight. Yeah, all. I think in my head I was thinking, oh yeah, you'll drop a few pounds by like not drinking water for a, a day. But yeah, that can be a lot. Jesus. Yep, and just that's the show. Yeah. And I hate and I hate that it exists. Like I said, it's like watching a Black Mirror episode. But worse, because even in a Black Mirror episode, the people like you know got a day off. Like Daniel Kaluuya got a day off. 
God. Yeah. It is, it is like those weird things, isn't it? Like when you watch some Black Mirror episodes and it's like, oh my God, imagine what the world would be like if that happened. And it's like, we're really not as far off as you think. And that's the point of Black Mirror and that's why it's written very well. Yep. That's the one. And it's that's it's it's a fascinating watch. It is. Yeah, and that, that's why I think like you know, for some people it's not necessarily that you're like sitting there and I'll say like mocking or laughing at these people, it's like the fascination watch. Yeah. If like this thing existed, it got twenty seasons, it's still going on to this day. And despite the fact that literally every person involved with it, because another statistic is like virtually every person who's ever been on the show and um, put all the way back on. So it gets really funny when you watch like the ninth season and they try and bring in like the stars of previous seasons. And it's like, here's like a runner up from season four. And it's like, why isn't it not the winner? And then I, I was like doing that thing. I looked up and the winner's put the weight back on and has publicly mm-hmm. denounced the show as being yep. ineffective because it didn't do anything to actually alleviate the root issue of their struggle with weight, which is the psychological problems. It just starved um, them for six weeks and put them on a treadmill every like, day. Yeah, there might be the occasional person that comes out the other side and like, manages to use those teachings effectively and be okay with it and you know actually lose weight and become healthy but that's not what the show's designed to do mm-hmm. there might be a few exceptions to the rule of like you know the everyone just puts the weight back on but again yeah it's it's never constructed to actually give people the tools to go out and live a healthy lifestyle actual that's really not afterwards yeah that's the biggest loser it's um. It kind of reminds me that like whole thing of like you know when people always throw a, like the kitchen nightmares thing of like yeah. Well, did you know that like ninety percent of these restaurants actually fail in the first three years after kitchen nightmares? It's like yeah, because he's being brought into like restaurants that are literally on the breadline and about to be closed, and this is their final yeah. chance. It's like that's not. It's mostly designed yeah. for drama, not necessarily actually saving the business. And it's more impressive that like twenty percent of businesses that were on the verge of bankruptcy have been surviving, considering opening a restaurant is one of the singular most um, uh, risky business ventures. It's a, yeah. If anything, it's like actually a pretty decently impressive start, but people throw it back of like, well, he doesn't do anything to help these people. It's like, well, either they don't help themselves, or B, it's just really hard to like recover a business from that point. Yeah. And it's like there's a lot of reality TV shows where like they massage the truth and um, uh, mm. the actual like behind the scenes is uh, like a lot of shady stuff going on and like you know of maybe course, one yeah. day we will talk about Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares because that's another show that I watch um, uh, religiously. It's like one of the, one of my binge shows. They've started on like the YouTube channel. I don't know how long ago they started it during the pandemic. Like, I don't no no when they not just putting up full episodes. They've now started putting up ones where it's like oh. um septuple episodes yeah. of Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, and I'm like, well, I guess this is going on in the background for the next five hours while I, I play yeah. Destiny. I think the person running the, the Kitchen Nightmares YouTube channel is one of the only people online whose headline writing skills I recognize as being better than my own. <laughs> because they like, I think I'm really good at writing headlines and like article titles, and specifically article titles that aren't clickbait, where mm. they promise something silly, but Clickbait is just it gets you to click on something, then it doesn't really deliver on the I, promise. It doesn't deliver on it, yeah. Whereas I think when I write like a headline for like fact feeding, like that time Stifler's mom helped Stifler's mom get laid, I believe I like I deliver on what I'm promising with the headline. 
the people writing Gordon Ramsay like Kitchen Nightmares thumbnail titles are better at me than that. Because the one that always sticks in my head is um, thin crust pizza actually has massive crusts. <laughs> it's just a picture of Gordon Ramsay with his head in his hands like a YouTube thumbnail and just this pizza with like these gargantuan crusts. Oh, God. Just that one gets me. Or just like uh, all that great line, like the freshest thing in this kitchen is that pigeon. And it's like, <laughs> so they, and they photoshot the pigeon to wear like a little Supreme jacket and a little hat. And it's like, thank you, chef. Just this, this little fresh pigeon and, uh, with his little puffer uh, jacket. Uh, I saw one the other day, again, just like popping them on the background of like one that was just like, Chef Mike returns. It's like, oh, Chef Mike. I still like, again, the thumbnail and it's like Gordon Ramsay halfway through through throwing a microwave out a window. (laughs) Like the slightly blurry thumbnail because it's from like terrestrial TV. Mm -hmm. And they've just screenshotted like the point where it's about to leave the thing. And it's like Gordon Ramsay murders Chef Mike. And it's like, he did. (laughs) He did. God, yeah, we need to do an episode. Like, that's the thing. Uh, the, so the episodes that we need you, to cover... I think we need to do an entire, like, podcast on Kitchen Nightmares. No, we need to do a Wiki Weekend so I can put clips in. And so the two Wiki that's Weekends true, that I've got true. that we need to do are Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares and the 12 Talismans from Jackie Chan Adventures. <laughs> so they're the two that we need to do. Oh, God. And we'll keep you on the line for Squirrel Girl at some point. Yep. We'll keep baiting you out on that one. When, when she gets announced a movie, I'll do Squirrel Girl. It's like there's there's two that we re- received requests for for years, and it's like Warhammer 40k and Squirrel Girl. It's like we've already pissed off most of the Warhammer fans. How, how do we do Squirrel Girl? Yeah, well, I just rather talk about Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares because <laughs> I want to talk about thin crust pizza. Actually, has massive crusts. It's so good. Like just the freshest thing in that kitchen is that pigeon. It's like thank you, chef. Just well, just a little little pigeon. I'll give a tease for anyone that's still listening then. Um, speaking of, we'll do an episode on them when they get a movie. Mm-hmm. Tune in this weekend for what I'm about to bring. Is it the Fantastic Four? It's it's not. But, okay. You know, we'll, just a teaser, I'll leave it there. Okay. But my episode for this week will be, or this weekend, will be an article I may never have picked if they hadn't got a fucking movie. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. So tune into that, everybody, and follow us on Twitch. Mine is twitch.tv forward slash Carl's Ward. Lucas's is twitch.tv forward slash Legend of Canto. Hell yeah. Oh, shit. Carl. What? You're still recording? Yes. We need to ask people to say which wiki won oh, yeah. this week. Which wiki won this week as well? Vote, vote below. Yeah, tell us in the comments. We forgot about that bit. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>